Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tennessee football is one step closer to a selection to the Gator Bowl. Who will the Vols play? To be determined. Welcome in to the Volunteer State. I'm Blake Topmeyer alongside the Knoxville News Sentinels, Adam Sparks and John Adams. Tennessee, as expected, took care of its business against Vanderbilt. Big day for Joe Milton on Senior Day. And the Vols are 8-4 and four bowl game selections. Of course, not decided yet. That'll happen after the conference championship games. Bowl assignments will come out on Sunday. But almost all signs point to the Gator Bowl which our resident expert Adam Sparks has been telling us for weeks is a likely destination. And now it's starting to come into focus as to who Tennessee might face if they are indeed headed to Jacksonville. So first, Adam, bring us up to speed, and then we will break down uh, whether we think these would be good, bad, or otherwise potential assignments for Tennessee. Yeah, I was hoping for Tampa, by the way, the what used to be called the Outback Bowl. But now I, I hope it remains the uh, Gator Bowl because I, I have a flight. I, uh, the wife and I booked flights uh, the day after the Missouri game <laughs> to go to the Gator Bowl. So it's a I hope bold that, move. <laughs> I hope that holds up. Um, yeah, it's it's like an 80% chance, I think, it's the Gator Bowl. For, the, for Tennessee not to go to the Gator Bowl, some weird things would have to happen, which would include like, Alabama would have to beat Georgia in the SEC title game. They probably both need to get in the playoff. Ole Miss and Missouri would both need to get a New Year's Six. So if if those things happen, then Tennessee could bump up to a Tampa. Um, but if if it goes as chalk, so to speak, uh, Tennessee will uh, should go to the Gator Bowl. They have an eight and four record. There's no other eight and fours in the SEC, so that's why it's, there's not as much mystery this year as there normally is. Um, North Carolina and NC State, those are the two that are projected. Uh, and it's about 50-50 at this point, if you look at the national projections of which team Tennessee could play. I mean, it's it's pretty clear cut of what you have there. North Carolina is a lot of offense and not very good defense. Um, they're 8-4. Uh, they're and four. They have Drake May at quarterback, um, who will be probably a top five pick in the draft this year. Now it's it's I guess it's very different if Drake May plays in that game as opposed to if he opts out. Um, I would think he would opt out, but I think he's pretty true blue Carolina, um, so he he may play it. I don't know. I don't know why he would play the Gator Bowl. I'm sure he would be advised not to do that. Um, but with Drake May, that they put up a lot of points. They're really good on offense. They have a 1,400 yard rusher, um, good deep deep uh, rotation at wide receiver. I don't even know who Drake May's backup is, um, but offense is what you're going to get in North Carolina. NC State is the better team. Uh, they're nine and three. They also beat North Carolina uh, 39-20 the other night. Um, they're six and two in the ACC. They're a better team. Uh, they're more uh, centered on defense. Not very good offense. Pretty good defense. So if you want to see Tennessee play against offense, you're going to get uh, then North Carolina's your pick. 
if you want to see Tennessee play like a slow, controlled offense and a and a good, strong defense, that's going to be NC State. And on paper, NC State is the better of the two. Now, that being said, there's some there's some weird inconsistencies in these two teams. So, like, uh, North Carolina lost their last two. They started fast in the year, and they are limping to the finish line. And I mentioned Drake may, 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 may opt out. So maybe that's the weaker of the two. And I think in terms of name recognition, Tennessee fans would rather play in North Carolina than NC State. There's a little more prestige to that, I guess. And I think they're the worst of the two teams. Um, but, you know, early in the year, they beat South Carolina. They beat Miami. North Carolina lost to Virginia. And if you remember, Tennessee blew out Virginia in the opener. So North Carolina can be pretty good. They can also be terrible at times. Um, NC State uh, was sluggish early in the year, uh, beat UConn by 10. Tennessee blew out UConn. Uh, I, I can't imagine how NC State only beat UConn by 10, but they did. Um, they only beat Virginia by field goal. Um, so again, how does that happen? The ACC, I think, is just sort of middle of the pack teams. That's what you get. But NC State's been hot late in the year. They've they won five straight. They beat Clemson. They beat Miami. They just beat North Carolina. So the hotter team is NC State. So I guess if you're looking for your best chance to win and probably the most uh, more name recognition, you would want to play. Uh, you would want to play North Carolina. But um, you know, it, it's NC State. I guess is is the better better of the two teams. But it, it may be a coin flip at this point. I wonder if the fact that NC State and Tennessee are playing next year would figure into the to the selection at all. Would you rather not play a team you're going to play again? I don't know. I don't know if the date is set on that game. Is that supposed to be the first game, Adam, or is that the the, the uh, no? They'll play in the it's the Duke's Mayo Classic. It's uh, week two in September is when they would okay. play. And okay. and I've I've heard that the Gator Bowl like leans a little more towards North Carolina. They would want North Carolina. So um, I think North Carolina maybe hasn't played there in a while. I would have to check on that. But, but by the way, the, the other option for these two teams, or one of the other options is the Pop-Tart Bowl for NC State and North Carolina. And it came out today as we record this, that uh, the Pop-Tart Bowl is going to have an edible mascot this year. Um, it's in Orlando. I'd much rather go there. Um, they're going to have a huge Pop-Tart mascot, and the winning team gets to go over and take bites out of the mascot at the end. So That's how know. we know the, the pandemic's over. We're now <laughs> nibbling exactly. off the same giant Pop-Tart. That's exactly what I said. Jeez. That's the better version. What Duke's Mayo, Duke's Mayo is like the worst version of that, and Pop-Tart is the best version of that, if it's strawberry, if it's like one of these cinnamons or something I, I wouldn't touch that john you have a different perspective on the gator bowl because uh you, you got some smiles under your tires as i know and uh at one time i mean the gator bowl wasn't the tournament of roses right but i mean the gator bowl was something resembling a a big deal it it's been around for a long time i don't know that it registers the same way it used to but help us out with some perspective here john this was this was once a pretty big game wasn't it well, yeah, and also I was a columnist in Jacksonville for a couple of years. So, uh, and now I've been to two Gator Bowls with Tennessee. Um, yeah, if you go back and, and when there weren't so many bowls before the grand uh, proliferation of bowl games, you had Rose Bowl, Cotton, Sugar, and Orange were the big four. And then the fifth bowl was the Gator Bowl. It was 
it was just a notch below and you would have some really good really good matchups that was uh one of the best i i can still remember this game was auburn versus Ole miss uh archie manning versus pat sullivan that and it was a great game two sec teams uh gator jacksonville's really sec country uh, so yeah i think it's and i don't think that i don't think that means much now though just because it's been around a long time i don't think people look at that i think they would rather go as adam said to orlando or maybe even tampa than jacksonville i like jacksonville like i said i lived there for two years and they've got some good beaches not as well known of beaches but you've been to a few of those blake so you know what i'm talking about I do. I would. I don't mind trips to Jacksonville. It kind of depends what you like. Do you like Disney? Do you like the beach? Tampa probably be a little warmer. Yeah, I think you could make a case for Jacksonville. It doesn't rank as high on Adam's list, but uh, I mean, it's better than it's better than the Liberty Bowl. I'll I'll say that. (laughs) Well, yeah. The the matchup to me is clearly this is uh, Tennessee should be rooting for North Carolina. but I don't know why the Gator Bowl would want North Carolina because I would be really afraid of the quarterback uh, leaving and opting out of the game. I mean, that that just kills the game. Uh, I think NC State, as it proved last Saturday, is a better team. Uh, NC State has one of the best defensive players in the country. Peyton Wilson, I watched him in a few games – he just dominates games. He's big and fast in the middle of that defense. So to me, that would be a better game from a, a closeness standpoint. But uh, for Tennessee, for if it wants to win a game, pick up a win, get number nine, match Butch Jones's two best seasons, then uh, go for go for North Carolina. And they've had some at NC State. They've had some things that have kind of come together late in the year. I mentioned they've won five in a row. They had a quarterback change in the middle of the year, and one guy there, and then he opted out of the rest of the season so he could redshirt. Uh, and Brennan Armstrong has been their starter for the last I don't know four or five games. Brennan Armstrong was he was the all-time career passer at Virginia. Went into the portal, ended up at NC State. He started the last few games. They they want they they've been winning. So they're they're on a hot streak. Now, that being said, I don't know, and I know we'll get to Tennessee, what roster Tennessee's going to have for the bowl, but you don't know what roster NC State's going to have for the bowl because, I mean, just in the last couple of days, uh, Dave Doran, the NC State coach, has pleaded with NC State fans to give money to the collective, to the Wolfpack <laughs> collective there, because they're terrified they're going to lose their best players in the portal. Um that one of their best players, KC uh, Conception, is a wide receiver. He's a he's a receiver. He's also a runner, a real big playmaker. He's a freshman. Um, there, there's talk that he could be lured into the portal and paid a lot more money, probably by an SEC school. And so they're dealing with that. So over the next month, NC State is the better team, but they're also trying to figure out how to keep their team together to potentially play in the Gator Bowl. To me, guys, there's there's really three. And I think we're all saying the same thing. Um, there's three real clear reasons why you want to face North Carolina over North Carolina State, uh, maybe four. But number one, as, as we've talked about, if Drake May opts out of the bowl, which we're saying seems like he, he would, uh, just based on what other guys do and what Drake May's uh, draft stock is, well, you our quarterback off 
Carolina team and they, they look pretty darn beatable and, and you get a, a prime chance to finish your year with a win. So that's reason number one. Number two, as we've discussed, you're playing North Carolina State in week two next season. I don't, I don't know that it helps one team more than the other to get kind of a preview. I mean, a lot of faces could change between now and next September anyway, but I don't, I don't really know that uh, that that excites you too much facing a team in a bowl game that you're going to see in week two. And then week reason number three, I, I think if you're Tennessee, you just never want that 2017 coaching search to come up ever again. But the stories are just right there for the taking. Dave Doran, the coach at North Carolina State, who's done a very nice job there the last several years, he was the last name John Curry was in pursuit of until Curry went AWOL. The administration lost sight of him, and he flew cross-country to go meet with Mike Leach while Dave Doran's agent was texting John Curry saying, hey, we got a deal? What's going on here? Where'd you go? What happened? So Dave Doran was on the hook waiting to become the next Vols coach. Uh, while Curry was on that flight that uh, evidently had no Wi-Fi to uh, have that <laughs> clandestine meeting with Mike Leach. And, of course, Curry didn't get Dave Doran or Mike Leach because Tennessee fired him. But I don't know that you really want uh, those Dave Doran Tennessee stories to come flooding back in your, your bowl week. So uh, add it all up and the fact that North Carolina is probably a bigger brand but a weaker team. And, yeah, my, my final verdict is uh very conclusive you want to play north carolina not north carolina state if if this is indeed tennessee's path well and also if you play nc state knowing you're going to play them in week two next year you if you're josh hopper you absolutely can't play nico because you got to hide him you can't you can't let them have any film on nico and Uh. so in the post game when josh hopper would come out and discuss the six-point win or six-point loss that they they had against NC State. And he's asked, you know, how come he didn't put Nico in there at the end? <laughs> and, you know, well, didn't, didn't want him to see him. You know, you got to think, think of next season. So it, it'd, be, it'd, be, it'd be something to, for Josh Apple to hang his hat on. Yeah, maybe he just wants to make sure about that red shirt. Yeah, we believe he's got a red shirt, but we'll just be make very sure and we won't play him in the bowl game. Uh, yeah, I think that would uh, – of course, these teams are, could change dramatically from this bowl game to to next season. But uh, I don't I – don't, Adam brings it up about NC State, though. If, if they lose their best players on defense, it, this team's very beatable as well. I think – so either way – oh, uh, I, I guess, Adam, what do you think about is there a chance that Joe Milton would opt out of this game? No, I don't think so. Um, this bowl is going to be in Florida. That's a point of pride with him uh, of playing in Florida. Um, and there was a little hint at the end of the post game the other night. Um, the post game was over. We asked all our questions. They basically dismissed the players. And Jacob Warren, the tight end, uh, who's a sixth-year tight end, said, "Hey, before we go, I just want to say a few things to the reporters in the room." And he thanked every all the media that have covered him all the way back to high school in some instances. And so he gave that little speech, the little thank you. And then so then Joe Milton said, "Well, if you're going to say that, I guess I'll say my piece too." And Joe did the same thing, thanked all the reporters for the coverage and all that. And then at, at he said over these last three years, it's been good. And he said, but we got we got one more to go, meaning one more game. He didn't have any eligibility left. And so I thought that was a little bit of an indication, like I absolutely intend to play this game. 
And I, I think Adam, I think he really enjoys playing as sure. well. And I, and I also think, for example, if he went up against East NC State's defense and played well, that would enhance his uh, draft status. Yeah, I mean, you think about what's before the six-touchdown game against a bad Vanderbilt team the other night. What was the best that you had seen Joe Milton play? Maybe not just statistically, but the best you ever saw him play. It was in the Orange Bowl last year. It's when he had a month to prepare uh, to play in that game. Well, he'll have a month to prepare in the Gator Bowl. If anybody, uh, you know, in NFL circles that would be giving him an advice, I think would tell him, go see if you can put another good bowl game together, um, you know, with that month to prepare and go play the Gator Bowl. His, his draft stock obviously has dropped during the season. He could bring it back up a little bit. And every time that he makes a quote-unquote NFL throw against an against a Power 5 team, you get at least a couple of scouts to say, well, you know, he didn't do it much, but he just did it there. And you remember in the Orange Bowl, there was about three or four throws. The one particular that I remember is how he uh, he split the safeties uh, on the touchdown to Brew McCoy crossing pattern over the middle. And you saw that and you said, that's, that's an NFL throw. That's NFL timing. Not everybody can make that throw. He does three or four like that in the Gator Bowl. He he probably moves up around, whether that's from the sixth to the fifth or the fifth to the fourth or whatever. But it would only help him to play in the Gator Bowl. I don't think he would have much to lose because at this point, I think Joe Milton's going to throw for 200 yards and he's going to throw for two touchdowns and he's going to run a little bit. He's going to be fine. But on a really good day, he can help himself. So you don't count uh, Vanderbilt as a Power Five uh, conference? School. <laughs> <laughs> well, they looked very similar uh, to me the other day. To uh, well, they, they didn't look as good as Austin P. They did not look as good as Austin P. And Austin P. Now Austin P. is an FCS playoff team. Uh, so, so there's that. Adam, you had just some perspective. Uh, on this season and a piece you wrote after the uh, the Vanderbilt game, uh, sort of looking at, at this year with with, con- in the, with the context of what Tennessee has been and done really since the end of, of the Philip Fulmer era. And you, and you take last year out of it, a year like Tennessee has had this year would have ranked as a pretty good season. Now, if we're putting this up against the Butch Jones era, you know, Butch had two years where they went eight and four, in the regular season and they won the bowl games in, in both of those years in 2015 and 2016 uh, Tennessee won bowls to get to nine and four. Uh, we've talked on this podcast throughout the, the season, like our different perspectives, perceptions of the season. So now as we, we look at it here with the benefit of the regular seasons op- over, there's one game left. Um, bowl games don't mean as much as they used to, but how much, could this perception change, if at all? Maybe the answer is not much, based on what Tennessee does in this bowl game. And, and I say that with, you know, I think back to Jeremy Pruitt's second season. Tennessee played in the Gator Bowl. They rallied. They beat Indiana. They win that game to get to eight and five versus seven and six. And the Vols were flying high. Like that was the the off season that led to the infamous quote from Philip Fulmer where he said the balls are back and uh, they were going to come take a bite out of everybody's ass to quote Philip. 
And well, <laughs> of, course, of course, that didn't that didn't happen. Uh, next time we saw Philip, he was sitting at a press conference, uh, quote, retiring. But yeah, it, it did change the perception quite a bit. The fact that Tennessee not only went to the Gator Bowl, but beat Indiana. However, that was a different time, right? That was year two for Pruitt. Pruitt wasn't coming off of an 11 win season like Josh Heupel's is this year. So how much do you think it swings perception, I guess, based on what Tennessee does in, in this final appearance here? Well, I'm glad you said perception, uh, not reality, because I, I do think no matter what happens, we're going to overreact to the result of this bowl game, win or lose. Um, if Here's the thing. If Nico was starting and playing the majority of the game, I think there would be the chance for a, a, a real uptick in terms of the perception of the program, if they went out and won, or even if he played well and they lost. The fact that Joe Milton, I think, is going to start and play most, if not all, the game, I think that sort of taps the brakes on things. Like if Joe plays great, fine. Um, It's sort of like the Vanderbilt game by the day. He had six touchdowns. Some people said, hey, good for Joe. Other people were like, well, where was that all year? Well, you weren't playing Vanderbilt. That's where that was all year. But, (laughs) you know, know, but there's not – if Joe is playing in almost all the Gator Bowl and Nico's not, you can't really say this points to anything next year. So that, that's where in bowls, especially in this era, I think more than past eras, you really look at the bowl game as sort of a preview of the next year. That's how we thought of the Orange Bowl this last year. Um, the fact that I don't think Nico's going to play a lot, I think it maybe maybe takes that off the table to some extent. But there are other elements that you could see it. If, if it was a win, you could point to some things uh, that would give you optimism for next year. So let's say let's say that uh, Cooper Mays announces between now and then that he's going to come back. Um, you could say, OK, well, this this you know, or, or some other linemen. Uh, there, there's almost a whole offensive line could come back. Almost a whole off- offensive line could not come back. If you get those announcements between now and then, you could say, hey, this line's going to be back. Only Nico's going to be back there. You could have some of the young wide receivers, Nimrod and Webb, have a big game, and you would suddenly say, "Okay, this this guy's going to start next year." He just he just uh, you know had a breakout game. Uh, Dylan Sampson, uh, it, I mean, if as long as he's still on the roster uh, when the Gator Bowl comes around, because um, let's say Jalen Wright opts out, which I think he might. Um, and go to the NFL. If Dylan Sampson is then your number one running back and he rushes for 150 yards, you say, hey, look, running back's taken care of. You got the next NFL guy. One of these young wide receivers is coming along. This offensive line's going to come back. If the defensive line, if those guys announce the COVID seniors that they're coming back, you can hang their hat on, on that. And suddenly you feel like you got a little bit of momentum. You're just taking out Joe Milton and you're plugging in Nico. So there's some possibilities there, but I think the the big bump that you could get is probably going to be off the table, and that would be if Nico played and played well in the game. It's uh, it seems as though that I, I mean I expect there to be so much activity in the transfer portal this December, more so than ever, that that could really overshadows what happens in a bowl game, whatever transpires where you come where you come away whatever impression that makes on you when you look to the next season if you've already if you've got added several key transfers or you've lost several guys you thought could help your team next year that would kind of override a 
a bowl game, whatever the result was. Yeah, I think the calendar is important too this year. So like last year, the transfer portal was open virtually all the time. You could just, you know, Tennessee lost 14 scholarships play, players to the portal last year. And they, some of them went in November, some went in in January and so on and so forth. Um, this year, you have a 30-day window, um, December 4th to January 2nd. So there's going to be like, what, three or four days left of the portal being open after Tennessee's bowl. You wouldn't think anybody would jump in the portal, you know, that that late. Um, and then you have another 15-day window in April after spring practice. So let's just focus on that first one. By the time Tennessee gets to the bowl, um, you're going to know who's who's leaving, who went in the portal, and who's not. You may know who's coming back of the COVID seniors by the end. I think they'll tell Josh Hopple privately and publicly they may announce that too. By the time we get to the bowl, we'll probably have a general idea of who's coming back, and that's important either way. I was counting through the uh, like the starting 22 for Tennessee this year um, to see how many were coming back. You've got guys that are done with their eligibility, the seniors that are like Joe Milton and Jacob Warren. They're completely done. We know they're not coming back. You've got NFL guys, Tyler Barron, Jalen Wright, that could come back, but they probably won't. You've got COVID seniors, and that's a ton of guys that could come back or they may leave. You've got maybe some guys that will be in the portal. I counted those up. Of the 22 starters, Tennessee could return four of the 22 starters or they could return 14 of the 22 starters or more likely somewhere in between the two. Now imagine if you're talking about four starters coming back of 22, that's an absolutely complete rebuild. If you've got 14 starters coming back and Nico's not even one of them, you're plugging in Nico with 14 returning starters. That's a team that can go out and, and win nine games. And so there's, there's a big chasm between those two numbers uh, but I think we'll probably know closer to what that number is going to be by the time they get to the bowl game, uh, because the portal is going to be almost closed. We're probably going to get a lot of news on the COVID seniors, their decisions. And uh, and by then, either opt-outs or otherwise, we're going to know which guys for sure are going to the NFL. Well, I, I just think uh, it's really interesting. And it, it gets back to with the transfer portal, you play offense and defense. You're trying to keep your guys here, and then you're trying to bring in other guys. Uh, and it, it could there could be such a shift. I mean, and, and I think on the player side of this, players use this as leverage. I mean, they go to the coach and say, "Hey, I'm going. I'm in. I'm going in the transfer portal. I'd like to come back, but I need to know what can you do for me." Uh it's not as though you've got an, an unlimited supply of NIL money. You've got to see it's, it really, it really reflects what a pro like game this has become when you're sitting there, not as a coach, but as a general manager and you're saying, do I want to pay this guy this much money? I, yeah. I, I mean, know it's, you, it's, it, it's, yeah. it's, yeah, it's absolute roster management. You, you've essentially have a salary cap and not every, different teams have different salary caps in their NIL collective, but, you know, are you, you know, Dylan Sampson is worth a lot of NIL money because Jalen Wright, if, if he does leave, he can, Dylan Sampson can take up the bulk of what Jalen Wright's money was. And a year ago, Jalen Wright 
you know, we thought he would maybe go into the portal. He didn't. He got a bigger payday. Dylan Sampson can go get that payday now, or at least a, a portion of it. Um, you know, Cooper Mays has a lot of leverage. If Cooper Mays returns, um, then he makes that offense so, so much better. If he doesn't, you don't even know who the starting center is going to be. Right now, the starting center next year, if Cooper Mays didn't come back, would be Vison Lang. And who? I don't know. I, exactly. <laughs> I don't know how many people listening know who Vison Lang is. He's a, he's a freshman this year. He played like 14 snaps. And so that's the difference that you have. And I'm sure Cooper Mays knows he has that leverage. Some of these defensive linemen, they were really good on the defensive line this year. Um, there, there's a lot of COVID seniors up there that would maybe want a 10% bump in their NIL to come back. But you have to weigh all that against what you need to, to set aside to go in the portal to make your team better. So you're retaining. You're also trying to go get guys. I'm sure there's going to be some guys that go into Josh Hopple's office you know, and at least indirectly ask for a raise and they're told you're fired. You know, <laughs> that's the, that's the analogy I would use um, because there, there, there's some guys that uh, have been around for a while and have started some games and played a lot and uh, their replacement, either a freshman on the team now or somebody that get in the portal uh, may be better and it's probably cheaper. I hope it goes better for them when they ask for a raise than it does when I do, but I've never been fired, but <laughs> What uh, a sad conversation. Who has more leverage than Nico? Well, I mean, Nico's already signed. So, I mean, he's already got that, uh, was it seven-figure NIL deal? So I, I, here's a good question, John, to follow that one up. How much leverage or how much say does Nico have in, in where the NIL money goes? Now, he seems like a pretty mild-mannered, humble guy who's just learning the ropes of college football. But we think of all these things are similar to the NFL, right? Like, uh, you know, NIL renegotiations or contract renegotiations. Recruiting is now the draft. Uh, the transfer portal is free agency. Well, in, in the NFL, quarterbacks uh, tend to go to their GMs and say, I want this wide receiver. I want a wide receiver. I want a left tackle. Um, don't spend money on defense. Spend money on, on offense. And uh, – I don't think Nico's going to do that. I don't think he even knows he would have that leverage, even if he did. But uh, you know, he he could certainly do that. You know, I, I don't go get a uh, don't go get a, a corner or a pass rusher. Go get this uh, go get this wide out in the transfer portal. Get me a left tackle. Um, you know, he's got his nil money, but uh, if he he wanted to have some influence, he certainly could. And and I think uh, Josh Apples. Ear would be uh, ear would be itching on that because Josh Apple wants to go get offense and he wants to score. I know he says he 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 wants defense too, and they were competitive defensively this year, but statistically they were better defensively this year than last year. Last year they went eleven and two. Right now they're eight and four. The way that they're going to get into the playoff in the future is by scoring a lot of points, and Josh Apple knows that. Um, when it comes to Nico guys, I mean. It- that's who fans want to see. We know this at, the, at this point, right? That, that's who they want to see in the bowl game. Uh, so the question is not what a fans want. The question is not what Joe Milton wants. Adam has told us he thinks Milton's going to play in the bowl game or even what Josh Heupel wants. My question is how much should Nico play in the bowl in your mind? Cause I could, I, I would probably make the argument that, um, 
what what does the bowl game really matter? I mean, it's kind of like we were talking about shaping perception of the season. It, it does shape perception, but how much does it really matter? Not really a ton. And so if you're playing for next year, you shake Joe Milton's hand and said, been a hell of a run, buddy. Thanks for all you did. We want you to go prepare for the draft and spend spend these next several weeks doing all you can, impressing you know, NFL personnel as you do some workouts or something. Uh, but it's Nico time. John, I, I want to hear what you have to say first on this one. I would look at it as uh, you're trying to attract transfers. You want to attract a, an offensive tackle. You want to attract a big play wide receiver. We'll show them, show them what you've got at quarterback. This is a showcase game. This is a game for le- for next season. Go back to last season and how well Joe Milton played against Clemson. Because of how well he played, I think is why Tennessee was ranked as high in preseason. I think it was 11th, 12th, something like that, even though it was losing some really big-time players. I think the the effect of Nico playing could be prominent next year. And I'm speaking hypothetically because I, I'm sure Josh Heupel will probably play Joe Milton every down of the bowl game. Yeah, I mean, if so, the Vandy game the other day, um, Joe Milton, I thought would play the first half. If the and if there was a big lead, Nico would come out and play all the third quarter, maybe part of the fourth. We get our biggest dose of Nico that we've gotten so far in his freshman year. Instead, Joe Milton came out, uh, I think scored a touchdown, and then he came back out again. And I think it was thirty-eight to ten late in the third quarter. And, and so you thought, well, he's going out, out there again? Okay, so what this is going to be is Joe Milton's going to hand the ball off one time, and then he's going to get a you know the curtain call, and he's going to get an ovation. They're going to have him jog off the field and wave to the fans. And then I think the next play they threw a, they threw a deep ball. <laughs> and then you thought, oh, they're trying to get him six touchdowns. They're trying to get him 400 yards. I don't know why. <laughs> I, I, I mean, but I mean – it was, it was it was good for Joe, I guess. He did get his – Hendon Hooker was at the game, and Joe can say, hey, I don't remember you scoring six touchdowns, but I just did. I don't think Hendon ever had six in a game. So so maybe it was that. Maybe there was some some ego with Josh Hopple or the staff saying, hey, look, we can still do this when we want to against, you know, against bad teams. I don't know because that whole setup was – I mean, it was, there, it was 38 to 10 – and then Joe Milton scores a six touchdown, and now it's 45-10, and they go into the fourth quarter. And then they say, okay, 45-10, that's enough. This lead is protected. And that was Joe Milton's last home game. There was no reason to do it. So I say all that to say this. Josh Hoppel is going to stick with Joe Milton. He just, he just is. Um, I don't know if he's aware of how much that, that – frustrates fans then if Josh Hopper is aware of that then he's being stubborn because other coaches would have played Nico in the in the set whole second half with that score and so if he if he understands that frustration then I think he's being stubborn and he just wants to say I'm the coach and I want to go with Joe Milton and that's what it is and that's fine if he's not fully aware of that and I think this this actually may be uh may may be the uh more probable scenario that he's not fully aware of that. And he's just resolved to stick with his, 
stick with his six-year senior that stuck with him that was loyal. And Josh Heupel loves points. And I think he was going to keep him in there to see if they could get to 50. And they got they got to 45. And then he said, hey, I can bring Nico in, score another, and we get to 50. And, you know, I saw a, a stat on the ESPN ticker after that game the other night that uh, by scoring 45 points, Tennessee has the – has scored 45 or more the most the most times of any FBS team in the country over the last three years. So since Josh Hoppel got there, they have the most 45-point games of any team. And do we think Josh Hoppel knew that stat before then? I tend to think as much as he likes numbers, he probably did because he pulled Joe Milton out when they got to 45. And that's just that's just the coach he is. Uh, for whatever reason, he loves points and he loves yards and he loves deep balls and he loves all that stuff. And I think there's also some ego. Um, and, and I mean this somewhat as a compliment. I think there's enough ego with Josh Hopple that he believes if you give me a full off season in practice and scrimmages and spring practice and simulated seven on sevens and all this that I have with Nico, it's just as good as game reps because I've developed a lot of great quarterbacks and I can do it with this guy too. And giving Nico 40 snaps as opposed to 20 snaps against Vanderbilt doesn't make any bit of difference. And instead I would like Joe Milton to get six touchdowns uh, and, and high five Joe Milton coming off the field. And I think, I think that's probably more of what, what happened. Well, for somebody that likes points and yards as much as uh, Josh Heupel does, uh, he lost some fans in that game because of a lack of points because the betting line there at the end, Tennessee will cover in that game, and it looked like surely Tennessee will cover. And so I heard from a few fans who were not happy about it when he put Gavin Moore in the game at quarterbacks. And they won by 24. What was the line? 27? Is that right? 27 and a half, I think. But, yeah, okay, but they yeah. were comfortably ahead at one point. They had the line covered. And maybe if Nico would have stayed in the game – and I tell you what, as much as fans complain about Joe Milton playing all the time and not getting a look at Nico, the fans betting on that game would probably say, yeah, just keep Milton in, let him finish this thing off. But it was it was funny, though, to see, you know, all three of us have covered those Tennessee Vanderbilt games that are that are over by the end of the first quarter. And now you're just like, John, like you're saying, are they going to cover or not? Um in the fourth quarter, that place was still 80% full. And there's only one reason why it was. It wasn't to see if they were going to get to 45 or 50 or whatever. They wanted to see Nico. And as soon as Nico put his helmet on, that place cheered. And as soon as Nico jogged off, both to attempt a field goal and another time when Gaston Moore went in, the, 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 the fans howled because they were there to see Nico. And they'll want to see him in the bowl game. <laughs> And I just maybe something changes between now and then. I just I think if that game is close and it's a competitive game, and North Carolina and NC State I think are comparable teams to Tennessee this year. Um, I think if the game's close, it'll be Joe Milton as long as needed. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and and we're not there yet, of course. Adam mentioned maybe some things change. We'll find out Tennessee's bowl assignment and opponent on Sunday. Adam will have the coverage at knoxnews.com. Of course, you can also find John's commentary, and we will be back with you next week. Thanks for listening to the Volunteer State. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. 
Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.